Winter storms, thunderstorms, floods, or extreme heat are some examples of emergencies that citizens of Sault Ste. Marie could experience. Are you prepared? Emergency Preparedness Week is a national awareness initiative that has taken place annually since 1996, and it encourages Canadians to take three simple steps to become better prepared to face a range of emergencies. Make a plan, build a kit, and stay informed. Today I'll be speaking to Lauren Perry, the City's Community Emergency Management Coordinator in Studio 99, to discuss Emergency Preparedness Week and what the citizens of Sault Ste. Marie can do to be ready for anything. Each month on Where You Belong, we'll be bringing in city representatives to discuss exciting initiatives the city is offering and to get to know some of the city staff that are working hard on making our community a wonderful place to live, work, and play. I'm Madison Zupa, Deputy City Clerk, and this is Where You Belong. So welcome, Lauren, to Where You Belong, and thank you so much for being part of the city's podcast. We're really excited to have you here. Thank you, Madison. I appreciate any opportunity to talk about emergency preparedness. It's a passion of mine, and I uh, love the opportunity to keep more people informed. That's great. We look forward to all the information you have to offer today. But first, we have a couple questions to get to know you a little bit better. So the first one I would ask is, what is your role, and why do you love doing what you do? My role with the city is Community Emergency Management Coordinator, which has a bunch of different hats. So I get to do a lot of portfolios that all have to do with legislative requirements that each municipality must meet. So we have training requirements, exercise requirements, planning and documentation, public education, lots of different roles. Favorite parts of the job are really working with the multitude of stakeholders. I work with all level of governments, volunteer organizations, all local partners, as well as meeting people, testing their plans, getting out into the community, doing education. And recently we've developed uh, high school and uh, elementary school programs, which has been a lot of fun as well. That's great to get out to the schools and engage with younger community members so that they can know when they're young and grow up knowing that information and passing it along as as they grow. It's very important to recognize that a lot of city employees wear multiple hats when doing their jobs. So it's, it's, it's one good example of that. So the next three questions are rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So the first question I have is, what are you reading? I'm always reading a lot. I will go with... The most recent read that I would recommend is probably Carrie Soto is back. I've read this author a number of times, Taylor Jenkins Reads, and it's just a really good comeback story about an athlete who is thought to be past her prime. And the next read I'm I'm excited to dig into is Radical Candor, which is sitting on my shelf uh, for part of one of the book clubs that I'm a part of. That's great. I've read Radical Candor and it's an excellent read, so uh, I think you'll enjoy it. The next question is, what are you listening to? I have a longer commute, so I love to listen to both podcasts and music. Some of the podcasts I love are Heavyweights, uh, Freakonomics, people I mostly admire, Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History, and uh, Michael Lewis's podcast as well. And then when it comes to music, I think that, for me, it depends what I'm doing. Probably gardening and cleaning. I really like pop 
hip-hop and some throwbacks with the kids they love classic rock so when we're ever dancing with the kids it's always some good classics there but any music I love country I love alternative folk jazz yeah I'm just really like to have background noise whether it's a podcast or music going on that's great sounds like it's really wide uh, ranging so I would agree it depends on what we're doing to set the mood for uh, for the music and the last rapid fire what are you watching with my partner, we're just, we finally uh, started Ted Lasso, which we're really enjoying. I know we're, we're behind on that one. And then I'm also watching Daisy Jones and the Six, which is actually one of the books from that author that I just previously mentioned as well. I've heard a lot of people talk about Ted Lasso. It's something I'm definitely going to have to check out. It's, it's on the list. I just haven't got there yet because I'm watching a number of other shows. But uh, it's, uh, it's something I've heard uh, from a number of people to, to check out. So Yes, you won't regret it. Yeah, let me know what it's like uh, after the next season. So... So we're here to talk about emergency preparedness week, and I just wanted to start off with, you know, what is emergency preparedness week and why is it important to recognize? So it's a national week that sort of everyone from the feds to the province to local governments gets together and really makes the push for being aware of emergency preparedness. Not to say throughout, you know, the other 51 weeks of the year, we aren't doing our best to also push emergency management messaging, but it's just a great opportunity to really sort of take the spotlight and make sure people are aware of the different messaging. It's actually our 10th annual showcase and celebration here for our local emergency management department. We like to do a showcase every year, which gives the opportunity for the public to come and meet their emergency responders. And we find that that is really just one of the favorite parts for the community. We will be at the Mill Market outdoors Saturday, May the 6th, and with a bunch of partners. So we have, you know, fire, EMS, police, conservation authority, OPP, RCMP, Red Cross, Vulnerable Persons Registry, just sort of everyone who participates because emergency response is really a lot of partners involved and it gives people a chance to come out and talk to people and meet them and kids to get their pictures on the trucks and in the boats and all that kind of fun stuff as well. So Emergency Preparedness Week is just, yeah, an opportunity, I think, for us to just really push our messaging and see if we can bring better heightened awareness to the community. No, that's great. I, I'm glad to hear about the event. It's something that I look forward to bringing my kids to to check out. And, and they always love seeing all the diverse groups there and, and meeting the firefighters and meeting uh, police officers and maybe get to know a little bit more about the behind the scenes work that happens as well with our city staffers, learning about the plans that you've developed and all of the community education. So that's great news. It's it's so important to get the kids involved. Like I, I just think it's, it's really important messaging to send to our kids, even when we talk about our own uh, personal plans. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Children are a very great tool in pushing home that messaging. And I think part of, you know, our elementary school program is going out there and speaking to kids. Also, they're great ambassadors when it comes to emergency preparedness, and they'll bring home that messaging to the households and really help push it a little more for us. So we love to engage with kids and give them homework to go home and bug the adults in their lives to make sure they're doing their parts as well. Yeah, great reminders, great reminders for sure. And, and making sure we, you know, test those alarms and, and have a plan in place and actually walk through the plan frequently and making sure that you remind yourself of what that plan is or... I've been doing some research uh, in preparation for this podcast, and one thing that I noticed on some of the websites I was looking at, like the federal government and the provincial government have websites around emergency preparedness, and one of the big things and one of the big messages is having a kit. I just wondered what you thought were the most essential things you should have in your emergency uh, preparedness kit at home. So having a kit 
is a wonderful thing, but we do also realize it's a big ask for a lot of people. And we like to remind people most of the items we would recommend to have in your kit are probably already around your home. When we look at something, you know, like COVID, we all had to stay home and we needed to have those supplies ahead of time because it was more cumbersome to go to the grocery store, to the drugstore, things like that, or having your supply of toilet paper. Your kit is very personal to you and your family. Maybe you have young children, maybe you wear glasses, maybe you take medications. Uh, so it's really taking a look at within your own household. If you had to stay in place, if you had to shelter due to a pandemic or something like that, or if you had to evacuate, so you only had you know a few hours notice to leave your home. We're seeing right now in the far north, a bunch of communities are evacuating due to flooding. So those two scenarios, what are the essentials that you wanna make sure you either have on hand already in your house or that you wanna bring with you? And we don't like to scare people. If you had to evacuate from your home, there are of course part of our role is making sure that we have safeguards in place. So we will have a safe place for you to go. We will have food and water and supplies made available. But you know, some people have allergies or restrictions that make it a little more difficult to meet those needs. So for, for a kit, I would really recommend you just sort of look at within your own household. I, I definitely say a backup power source is one that's really great. So a power bank for your phones. We use our phone as such an important tool now for communicating, for saving information, whether it's insurance information or, you know, number for your schools, for children's schools, or getting in contact with where our elderly parents live and things like that. Also to get information during an emergency, if the power goes out, we always used to recommend, you know, having a radio in an emergency kit. And I don't think that that's gonna happen anymore. So having a phone just has become that much more important. A few other things I would say is not necessarily in your kit, but uh, as part of that, doing your homework when it comes to your insurance and all those safeguards you've put into place, like reading through and making sure that you have the right type of coverage and figuring out that you have what you need if an emergency happens. That's all great information. And I was going through the list and I was like, oh, okay, I have this at home or having a flashlight or having, you know, backup batteries, having extra water on hand, you know, and it was saying something like four liters per person per day. And they have some really good recommendations on what you should uh, what you should purchase. So I was starting to think like, okay, I'm gonna gather my kit now and maybe I'll go to the store and just pick up one or two things at a time and try build over time, right? So it's not something that you have to do all at once, but like you said, have all your medications and all of that in order to make sure you have enough to, to get you through an emergency. So that's all really good information. And there's a lot of information online about building a kit. You mentioned water and it's one of the things we talk about in our, our high school programming is, you know, there are a lot of hidden sources of water around our house, but normal types of emergencies either. And we're not just talking about major, but you know, maybe they're working on a water main on your street and they shut off water for the day. Isn't it more convenient to have a couple of cases of bottled water in your house so you can make tea or coffee or whatever you need in the morning. When the power goes out for a longer period of time, you might not have access to running water. So just having it makes your life more convenient. And as I, as I point out to the kids in school, you know, if you, if you didn't prepare and have the water at hand, where are some other places you could find water and, you know, your hot water tank and maybe you have water in other sources, you know, the tank in your coffee maker or, or things like that. And the, the last one we always talk about is, not the toilet bowl water, but the toilet tank water. And I always end it with, would you rather be drinking the water from your tank of your toilet or would you have liked to have thought of maybe getting a few bottles of 
water ahead of time. That's a really, really good story to, to tell. So I think it just brings it home that it, it can make a difference in making things more convenient during an emergency. So uh, that's a good one. I talked to my kids about that one too. In an emergency, what would be the first thing you would recommend citizens to do? The first thing I would recommend doing is getting more information. So a big part of a city's response will be putting out accurate and clear information about what the safest thing to do is. No two emergencies are alike. We know all our seasons are very different. So how we respond to those emergencies could be different. A daytime versus a nighttime type of emergency. Certain areas of the city may become inaccessible. So we can't sort of give a magic bullet answer for if an emergency happens, this is what you should do to stay safe, which is why we really recommend uh, you follow, you know, city social media accounts or you you know where to go on the city's website. It would be that first page that pops up at SueStMarie.ca. Tuning into local media, we all know those blaring alerts we get to our cell phones on the radio and TV, we can access those as part of my role. I can put out information on those tools as well. So it's an important piece just to make sure you have that accurate piece of information. Depending on the type of emergency, the safest thing for you to do might be to stay in place or it might be for you to leave. So we want to make sure that people are figuring out what that safe thing to do is. And to do that, we recommend going to official communication networks. We all know the most important thing during an emergency is the well-being of our, our family and friends and safety of our, our neighbors and people we love in our lives. So taking the time ahead of ahead of an emergency to have those conversations about, you know, when an emergency happens, if we can't call each other, what are we gonna do? Because I think that is the most important piece. Like I said, we're gonna figure out food, we're gonna figure out water, but knowing the safety of our loved ones is absolutely paramount. And talking about planning and safety, I know in our community we have a vulnerable persons registry and I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about that and why that's important. The vulnerable persons registry is an amazing tool and I feel very lucky that it's one of the tools in a resource that we get to use. It was developed by the Innovation Center recognizing that our vulnerable population probably needs more help during an emergency and has different needs. So the Vulnerable Persons Registry is a place where people who may need more assistance during emergency, whether you're electrical dependent, whether you're hard of hearing, things like that, you can register to be on this registry. And that information goes out to all the first responders. So when you call 911, if you are registered, they will know ahead of time that maybe oxygen is stored in your home because you're on oxygen or you're hard of hearing. And that can change how a response occurs by our first responders. But also during a large scale emergency, I'm able to pull up that information and make sure working with the Red Cross that we check in with all of those individuals and if they need help, that they're getting the help that they need. It sounds like an incredible tool for an especially locally developed tool that is accessible. I just want to let everybody know about it so that if they think that they could benefit from being on the registry, they could they could get access to that. So I would suggest if that's something that you're interested in, you can certainly check it out. Um, they have a website. Dovpr.com. S-O-O. S-O-O-V-P-R.com. So check that out if that's something that uh, you feel would uh, benefit your life or a member of your family and um, and it's such a great resource that was locally developed. We'll talk a little bit about our emergency 
management program committee and the work that the city of Sault Ste. Marie is doing in emergency management. So can you tell us a little bit about the committee and what their mandate is and some of the goals and objectives that uh, the committee is trying to achieve? So our committee is, again, another legislative piece that uh, every municipality must have under the Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act. And they really oversee the program in the city. And so it's sort of a checks and balances. And they're making sure that we're meeting our mandates in terms of public education and training and planning and response. And they're a team of various stakeholders within the city who would get together as well and respond during an emergency. So a wealth of expertise and knowledge and the purpose there is during an emergency we all want to be working from the same playbook so we don't want to have our resources spread out all throughout the city we want to focus on the most the biggest need and sort of meet those objectives and prioritize resources individuals and how we want to deliver messaging consistently throughout the city. So it's uh, a group that we get together a couple times a year. But again, we do training and practices. We call exercises where we do mock emergencies and scenarios and just figure out what we would do if this type of emergency hit. It sounds like there's a lot of important work being done by the committee and have a lot of different stakeholders involved and contributing in different ways. So that's great news. I guess one question I have is... In the past, in the course of your career, have you faced emergencies locally that you've had to respond to? And can you tell us anything about it or your experience or what kinds of things were you facing during those emergencies? We've had a few incidents. I wouldn't call them full emergencies by most of Ontario's standards, but we've had flooding. Everyone I'm sure remembers the 2013 flooding that we had. We've had extended power outages, the um, 2019, I believe, over the Christmas holidays. We've had the oil spill that occurred just last year and some smaller minor hiccups throughout the city as well. We also had the opportunity to host a community, North Spirit First Nation, who had to evacuate from uh, their community due to forest fires, and that was last year. And I think the thing that I have really taken away or learned is that there's so much capacity for goodness in our city and that, especially during COVID, I forgot to mention COVID here, but people stepped up in just amazing ways to help out. And I am certain no matter what happens in our city, that that's how our community will respond, that We are a community that looks out for one another and that when bad things happen, um, I think we'll bounce back. And at this point, I would love to share that we are launching for this year's Emergency Preparedness Week. We're launching a Neighbors Helping Neighbors grant. This is something that neighborhoods can apply to receive up to $500 to create an event within their neighborhood, which encourages resilience. So one of the biggest determinants of success or resilience after an emergency is how well you have social ties to an area. Because, and as I point out to my elementary school program, how many police officers, how many firefighters, how many EMS do we actually have in this city? Whereas how many people live here? 
following an emergency, we have probably less than 500 first responders and we have 75,000 people who live here. It's going to be your family, your friends, and your neighbors who are the ones who help you first. And so we're really looking forward to this grassroots initiative that gets people out meeting their neighbors again. And, and if you want to spend this money towards, you know, a block party or a bike workshop or a seed library, something that just gets you in contact with your neighbors. Maybe you get to meet someone who might need help during uh, a winter storm shoveling their driveway or is elderly and who should be checked on during a significant heat wave. So knowing who lives in your neighborhood and figuring out how you can help one another, I think is gonna be one of the greatest tools we have moving forward. And I think Sault Ste. Maria is really a place that can happen quite effectively. It just gave me the warm feels just hearing you talk about our community in, in such a, a, a passionate and, and compassionate way. The messaging is just so strong that we're here for each other and we're here for our neighbors. We're here for our family and friends. And I just moved recently into a neighborhood and it's amazing that the neighborhood community we're building is, is, is so strong. It's, it's, it's been a really wonderful experience for me to move into a neighborhood where the neighbors care about each other. We, we, we do check on each other. You know, you see after a winter storm event, you have all the people out there snow blowing each other's driveways. And it's, it's a place that I feel where I belong. And I really appreciate this program to try to help bring that energy and that, that connection to other neighborhoods that may not have that same experience. So I think that's a really great initiative. How can people find out more? So that will be on our website at suestmarie.ca slash be prepared. There are guidelines there and information as well as the application to apply for it, but they can also always reach out to me. My contact information is there as well if they need help with any of that. And we really hope that it that a lot of people do apply for it. And this is something that, you know, is our first pilot year, but hopefully this is the first of many if it goes well. No, that's great. I think it's, it's a wonderful thing to try to promote community and promote resilience the joy and and camaraderie we get in our neighborhood like we're doing a a neighborhood uh, garage sale we're going to do a street garage sale over the summertime and just try to get everybody out and try to bring everybody together so just little things like that that you could do with your neighbors is, is such a is a great thing so i'm hoping that you'll get a, a good success in the program and i just wanted to thank you for coming on today and talking to us about emergency preparedness some of the key tips on how to stay prepared and stay in the know the thing that i'm going to take away from this is go buy myself a little generator to keep my phone alive uh, and charged so that I can make sure that I go to those proper communication channels and find out more. It's just uh, it's just a really good thing to be prepared and be ready for anything because you don't know. It could be a, a minor event, but it also could be something major. And uh, we've been seeing that in, in other areas uh, of, of Ontario. So it's something we really need to look at and make sure that we're prepared for. And thank you so much for sharing your information with us. Thank you. And I look forward to seeing you May 6th at the showcase where you can talk to more experts in the field and find out what else you could be doing. That's great. We will see you there. Where You Belong is produced by the City Clerk's Office. Make sure you check back next month for our next episode. If you're looking for more information, head to suestmarie.ca slash podcast. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a topic for future episodes, email podcast at cityssm.on.ca. Until next time.